Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We're the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So today we're going to be talking about issues from uh, a biblical perspective, cultural issues, history, current events, whatever comes our way, we're going to uh, address it, talk about it. And I think we got a good show for you today, Voice of Truth, uh, Truth Radio Show, every Thursday's 5 o'clock, Saturday's at 3 o'clock, podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger, and email, just send it to me, Mike Azinger 1965 at com. Hey, Pastor. Hey, how are you oh, doing? Hey, good, doing good. So, uh, we got a good show today, uh, I think, uh, just like a... Uh, um, a buffet oh, style like buffets. show. You had me at buffet. I'm telling. <laughs> yeah, you're like uh, two ounces overweight. You need to get on it. But uh, uh, two two ounces underweight. I think. You <laughs> no, it's over now. I, I've, I've crossed the threshold. <laughs> Good. Good to have you on my side, the dark side. So uh, then next week we're going to have your dad on. Yes. Uh, call in from Arizona, and then the week after that. For a Fourth of July show, we're going to have Lord willing. I think I think it's going to work out. Colonel James McCormick uh, from down in Mason County. He's a West Virginia boy, a genuine war hero, mm. and he is the uh, main dude at the uh, National Purple Heart Association, whatever whatever you call it. Uh, he's had uh, he's got three bullet holes in him. I think from Iraq. He was serving the Iraq War. And uh, we're going to just have him tell his story of the Iraq War. Wow. It's a war story, and it's, it's a great story. Uh, it's, it's one of those deals that you could make a movie out of. Mm-hmm. So we'll have him on. Uh, just, just a great gentleman. Great. Uh, you know, the, the, the military, um, they, they generally, not always, but generally – make gentlemen out of of hmm. that that rough hewn uh kid that we send uh, send to him like my boys in the army my nephews in the navy my dad was a marine uh so i i have a i have a a, a special place in my heart for the military hmm. but even even without those associations i still do and i'm sure you do too we love Absolutely. we love the military and um anyone that fights for our freedoms when we don't have to hmm. They go overseas. They are they are special people, and they're not all perfect, obviously. But uh, my boys in the army, he's always calling up. Somebody stole my credit card. <laughs> I'm thinking, all right. So, uh, well, we, we we teach them relativism in school. So why why are we surprised if they go steal my boy's card? Uh, but anyway, I love um, uh, I, lo- I love the military, and, and those are obviously the few exceptions. They they take you know they always have. 
the military takes those hard cases that mm-hmm. that is either prison or the military. Right. So you're gonna you're not gonna have all perfect boys, but but uh, in general, the the military makes men out of out of uh, boys and mm-hmm. makes men out of uh, uh, these kids that that are often in trouble. So mm-hmm. uh, yesterday was Flag Day, uh, Pastor Leversey, and I got I found a, a, a gal that uh, who's a political friend of mine from indiana she's like us i mean she's a uh, right-wing christian diehard conservative so I've, i i like her posts and she posted a, a flag day post yesterday which was flag day yesterday today we're recording on wednesday the 15th so Ju- tuesday the 14th and i just want to read this because it's general inf- we have so many days that we celebrate that they can be confusing you run you together know. after a certain, yeah so yeah. we just have memorial day yeah. and memorial day isn't the day that you say to a soldier uh, thank you for your service that's right. not that day uh, it's the day where we remember those who have died yes for our freedoms and veterans day that's the day you say thank you for your service and so on but uh, Flag Day is, uh, here's its history, and I didn't know most of this. Flag Day commemorates the adoption of the flag of the United States on June 14. You want to guess what year? Should I put you on the spot? Well, you were born like the year after, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was I born the year the before one. because I year do remember the first Flag Day. Nice. 1777, by resolution of the second Continental Congress, the flag resolution stated, resolved that the flag of the 13 United States be 13 stripes, alternate uh, alternate red and white, that the Union be 13 stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation. Hmm, Isn't that beautiful? That's really cool. Beautifully written. This design was uh, created by Francis Hopkinson. Continental congressman from New Jersey and a consultant to the design of the Great Seal of the United States. Hmm. Um, Bernard Sigrand, a small-town Wisconsin teacher, originated the idea for an annual Flag Day to be celebrated across the country every June 14, and uh, that was in 1885. Hmm. That year, he led his school in the first formal observation of the holiday. In 1916, uh, Woodrow Wilson officially established June 14 as Flag Day. So it's been official since 1960, and uh, so it it commemorates the adoption of the flag of the U.S. that happened on June 14, 1777. So Flag Day is a great day, and uh, praise God for our flag for our country. Amen. And uh, isn't it beautiful how how much thought they put into it, even in the design of it? Yeah. You know, just that wording, you know, 13 stars in a, as a new constellation yeah. there in the sky. And yeah. uh, I, I've always felt our flag is so beautiful to look at. It's just, uh, I think as you look at different flags, it's just a gorgeous flag. And um, it's sad to see that we're we're raising our kids in a culture now who I don't think appreciate it. They don't know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at popular figures in our culture today that 
instead of standing in respect, you know, try to use it as leverage in some kind of agenda or protest. And, and I know that there's freedom in our country, that flag represents that freedom to be able to have a voice. But there's just something inside of me that just, I don't know, just get so upset when people don't honor the flag the way that they need to that is true and uh, the flag burning and all that's nonsense you know that that should be against the law in my -hmm. my opinion you don't you don't burn the symbol of freedom and uh the the flag that uh many 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 uh people uh shed blood for yeah and we have a the freest nation on earth still and we have a lot of problems but there is an innate power blessing in that flag just when you see what it, it represents, right? Yep. I mean, it's not just fabric and a design. Yep. I mean, there was thought put into the understanding of how our nation was formed. And it wasn't formed perfect, but it was formed, I believe, on ideals that propel us toward becoming more complete as a nation. And, and uh, you know, that deconstructionism that has taken root in our country has smeared that flag and mm. smeared all of the sacrifice really that's gone into protecting it and and into uh, establishing the liberties that we have today and um you know i i think that there i think just uh, those who founded our nation would just be really heartbroken to see how um how people have kind of turned their back on it so to speak yeah amen so i i fly mine every day i don't even know if you're supposed to have your flag up every day. I think maybe you're supposed to take it down and put it up on certain days mm-hmm. during the year. But but uh, I, I just love looking at it, and I love the every house that flies a flag ha- has a certain beauty to mm-hmm. it uh, automatically just just from having it flying. It's a it's I believe uh, blessed by God, mm-hmm. and um, there's something about those colors and the design. The the Betsy Ross flag. I, the 13, the one that that was uh, 1777, the first flag, I believe. Um, but those 13 stars in a circle, hmm. I have I have a, a miniature Betsy Ross flag in my Senate office, in, and I just kind of put it in my pen and pencil jar, and it hmm. it, it sticks up there uh, nice and high and beautifully. I bought it at when I went to watch my boy graduate from the Army, at Fort Benning in January. So, anyway, praise God, uh, we live in America, mm. and uh, we have we have our issues. But uh, I'm not apologizing for being proud no, to be an American for loving not. America. We just got back from Washington D.C. We went into the uh, why? Uh, so you went without me? Yeah, yeah. I went without you. My you get in trouble when on. you go there. <laughs> 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 hey, I would have had to grow a mustache or something. <laughs> so I got a call. I meant to tell you that I get a call. Uh, so every January 6th, well, how many has there been? There's been one, I guess, since since January 6th. So I get a I get a email. I Every once in a while, when you're even on your a lowly level like the state standard, <laughs> uh, you'll get like a New York Times request or like, wow. CNN. Or so. so I always ignore them. Yeah. But I thought. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to this guy uh, from the New York Times this time. So I emailed him back. First thing I asked, I, I'm 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 vetting him. Right. Uh, what's your What's your position on CRT? So <laughs> I want to know if he's a Marxist. Right. So he's, he kind of plays it dumb. Uh, if you mean no, I what, what's your position on on critical theory? Um, because that makes me sound a little more 
intelligent right. than you. There you go. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm working with somebody here who knows their stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so he plays. He plays dumb. If you mean critical race theory, well, I don't know much about. Okay, so um, anyway, he calls. I do the interview. It was. It was actually very easy. He didn't. But here's the thing. So I want to. I want to go in and look at. If what he did to me in right, the article, right? There's a paywall. New York Times. They want. Oh, oh you got to pay it, and, and you weren't worth paying for, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not going to pay the. I'm not paying New York Times fifty one <laughs> bucks to watch my article. That's Three the, articles. You don't you even get. know what they said about you. So no, I, to this day, I don't know what they said about me. So, That's the best thing I've ever heard. I, I wasn't going to pay for my. I'm not article. paying to, to watch what I. I'm sure uh, you got flagged. Hey, you should have called your mom. She would have paid because she would want to put it on her refrigerator <laughs> and, you know <laughs> yeah well uh I, I did not do that, that was, all right so where was i how much time we got so let's go into the here we got uh, a few minutes here I, I got a little oil um you know gas prices are are going through the roof so why why is that yeah you know I, there's there's uh, various numerous reasons for it um, but a lot of it is that, that, uh, this administration has canceled the drilling leases. Yeah. They're saying, nope, you can't drill here. Nope. You can't drill here. Nope. You can't drill, uh, drill here. So it's shrinking the supply. We didn't have this problem two years ago. No. I mean, that's oh. the bottom. I mean, I think the average person who, like, I, I don't really know all the ins and outs of this, but I know we didn't have this problem two years ago. We did not. We had the opposite problem, which isn't a problem, and that is that we are uh, exporting. We have so much that we're exporting, like the first time ever under um, a certain president (laughs) who, uh, uh, his name is Trump. Uh, Okay, so here's a little little trivia. We're going to see how good you are. Okay. Uh, Is is math your expertise? It is not my expertise. Okay, so we're going to test you. So I I didn't know this either, so I'm Googling this the other day. I thought this would be good for the radio. Listeners might enjoy uh, enjoy this. How much oil can a tanker carry? You've seen those big tankers. I'm thinking because I read. No, you're talking a tanker like a. No, I'm talking a big, big, huge tanker. Okay. And because I I read or heard somewhere where they burn like 2,500 gallons of diesel fuel an hour. The so tankers. I, the tankers. <laughs> so I'm thinking, so they're, they're, the whole tanker, they're just going to burn the gas and not going to have any oil left. Like it. So I'm thinking, this uh, this isn't a good economic uh, plan here to burn all your gas before you get across the ocean. So uh, how much? how many gallons in a barrel? Take a guess. I'm going to guess there's uh, 40 gallons in a That's barrel. That's pretty close. 42 gallons okay. of crude oil in a barrel. Today's super tankers, on the average, how many barrels, how many barrels, not gallons, but how many barrels can today's super tankers, those big ones you is see was, on I'm going to say half a million. Two million barrels. Two million I mean, barrels. is that amazing? That's amazing wow. to me. So you might you if if a gas say oil is I don't know hundred bucks a barrel, imagine the value. That is insane. It's, you're talking wow. billions of dollars, yeah. a billion plus, on this one tanker going across the ocean, wow. delivering delivering oil. So um, so I thought that was uh, 
really interesting that those tankers can hold that much. That's that's just wow. stunning to me. So uh, so anyway, uh, these these leases. Let me see. I had a story um, on uh, on the leases. But uh, I thought I did, but I, I don't know where it is. I, I might find it here during the break. But next next segment, we're going to uh, we're going to talk a little politics because there was a an election last night, which was uh, for the listeners was Tuesday night, the fourteenth yesterday. Um, but if you're listening on Thursday or Saturday, it's the same week. Um, there was an election that. Oh, goodness it it could portend for a very interesting november <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second and um we're going to talk about vadi balkan and uh balkan was was he's he's a, a a black theologian southern baptist which is he's the only one that's like <laughs> right there are no black theologians southern baptist but he's running. He was trying to get the uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention because mm-hmm. it's a new voting for a new president, and uh, I think you uh, also. But I was very much for his winning because he's a theologically sound and and courageous man. He mm-hmm. fights critical race theory and critical theory in general. Um, uh, he's a profound soldier for the Lord in that arena. Wrote a book on it called Fault Lines that I highly recommend. So we'll talk about him for a minute also. And he's got like a five-minute snippet that we're going to run Great. where he explains critical race theory because mm-hmm. it's a it's a difficult – we've talked about yeah. it a lot on the show. Uh, but it's a, it, it's not – it's a complex comp, uh, concept mm-hmm. to grasp. But he, he lays it out very well. And uh, explains it very well, and we're gonna we're gonna do that also. So, uh, stay tuned for the next segment. We got a great show for you today. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Gazinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. The only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. Got a, a, another church, a fusion of church and state story for you. I just oh, thought good. Of it. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. So I'm uh, going to park, and uh, so we had interims over the weekend, or uh, we had interims in Charleston the last three days. So I'm, we have uh, a little – the Senate gets a parking spot because we're better than the House. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so the Senate has their own parking lot on the west side of the Capitol. And I park right next to uh, a, a, a Baptist preacher named uh, Roland Roberts from um, Beckley, Raleigh County area. And he, so he drives his van, his church van. He's been there four years. He's never done this. And I park right, I park right next to him. <laughs> so he drives his uh, Victory Baptist Church van and parks it right next to me. So I take a picture of it and send it to him. And I say, whatever happened to the separation of church and state? <laughs> How dare you bring a church van onto state property? They should hang him. Oh, man. So that was good. good. He laughed. Uh. All right. So uh, what was I going to talk about? 14 Republican. So we talked about 
oil the uh, the last segment and uh, why why is gasoline are gasoline prices so high? Well, one of the main reasons is because um, this administration won't won't uh, approve the leases to mm. drill more right. oil. So it's a supply and demand thing, as Absolutely. always. That's what it always is. Everyone wants to say all oh, these evil. Uh, profit-grabbing uh, oil companies. Well, guess what? When oil prices are really low, these profit-grabbing uh, oil companies don't make that much money. Mm-hmm. And it's a capitalist world. They can make as much as they want, but it's they're not just price gouging. It's the it's the uh, the uh, free market system mm-hmm. at work. Right. All right. So, fourteen Republican-led states. Demand Biden restore large domestic oil and gas lease uh, leases amid energy crisis. So this is a Fox Business story. I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs from here so folks can understand. Look, why is gas so high? This happens, mm-hmm. folks. Now, it's never been this high, but we've had ebbs and flows of, of, of gas prices being high and low and so on. And uh, it's a supply and demand thing. And when the government starts sticking their grimy hands in the mm-hmm. middle of it, prices go up. Yep. That's what ruins things. When the government tries to control the economic system, let the free markets work. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 14 Republican-led states filed a brief with a federal appellate court in a case regarding President Biden's cancellation of a large domestic oil and gas lease as fuel prices continue to rise. So when prices are rising and you cancel, keep canceling leases, you're going to make it worse. Yep. Last month, the Biden administration canceled one of the most high-profile oil and gas lease sales pending before the Department of the Interior. That's where these get approved. The DOI, Department of Interior, halted the potential to drill for oil in over 1 million acres in Alaska's Cook Inlet. Hmm. along with two lease sales in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so these 14 states are getting together and suing Biden. Um, let me see here. I'll just name the, name the states here because um, the states that joined the lawsuit, I'm going to read them, Mo- uh, Montana, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, where your daddy lives, mm-hmm. Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. Yeah. RAG, look, I don't want to be political, but RAG is 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 a pretty brave dude, hmm. uh, and uh, our attorney general, and he goes at, he gets on these stuff hmm. like this. He and so West Virginia joined the lawsuit. Um, but that's what we need, folks. We need this administration to quit being a little fascist and let uh, Americans do what they do best, and that is uh, create jobs and create businesses and, and uh, create um, uh, the free flow of oil mm. and and uh, create supply to match the demand that we have. So. I think anyway. that's one of the things that the that a lot of people loved about the previous administration is just not letting OPEC run the run the show and becoming you know self sustaining concerning energy. I mean, uh, and you could see you could see it in the health of the economy. You could see it in the the ability, like you said, to export instead of only being an importer. It is a, in my view, it's a national security risk 
to have your energy dependent upon your enemies. And, <laughs> right. and, and the thing is, is that they're, they're touting this clean energy and um, windmills and electric cars and all these types of things, which which great. I'm glad for well, they're, innovation. They're not they don't work. They, but that's they the do thing. They don't work. And to say, okay, we're going to dismiss our energy rights and we're not going to renew leases and we're not going to let America be productive and we're not going to uh, be for having jobs here at home and we are going to uh, move those jobs overseas and we're going to import oil instead of export oil. Uh, it's crashed our economy. It's made us vulnerable. We're in the worst position we've been in in the United States since I can remember. I mean, I was I was born after the Carter era, just, just again, you know, push the fact about how much younger I am than you are. And, um, and, and, and this is the, this is just devastating to watch happen. I'm not listening to you right now. No, but you're right. And under, under Trump, gas was $2 a gallon and we were, we were self-sufficient. We were an exporting company, a country for the first time ever. We didn't need to worry about whether or not Saudi Arabia was mad at us no. at the time. We're Americans. We're Americans. We have hundreds yep. of, you know what I think, Pastor? Let's talk uh, 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 geologically. Let's be geolo- a geologist for a minute. So from what I've read, and this makes per- perfectly perfect sense to me theologically, but from what I've read, we have centuries of oil and coal, natural gas, underneath the ground Mm. the bible says in ecclesiastes the prophet of the earth is for all Mm. so there's a prophet in the earth i and and god i believe created the earth to continuously Mm. produce these these natural resources i've read that that's Mm. not just my own uh surmising i've read uh creationists who have said that that god is creating in perpetuity, these natural resources for mankind mm. would that would that not make sense? I mean, everyone said we always say, "Oh, these are these are fossil fuels." You know, we drill mm-hmm. into these old rotten uh, dinosaurs, and up comes oil. That's that just doesn't make sense mm. to me. But uh, but if you look at uh, you know b- before the flood, the antediluvian era, it was like a greenhouse, mm-hmm. and and of course the. The foliage would probably have been way, way more than what we have now, and and that probably a lot of that created coal. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that God creates in perpetuity these natural resources. Yeah, and stewardship is a big principle in Scripture, and uh, the Bible is very explicit um, that God has given dominion over the earth to man, mm. and that we are to exercise stewardship over the earth. And part of that exercise of stewardship is harnessing the the resources that have been given to us in order to use them and and be able to uh, benefit from them. That, that this whole world was designed for us in order for us to be mm. able to to utilize for our good and for God's glory. And uh, and I, of course, I do not feel like we should mar the earth unnecessarily and recklessly and there are people that historically have um you know profited from things in the world resource wise in a in a way that uh, was not judicious was not uh good stewardship but um but you can do these things and we have learned to do these things in ways that are efficient in ways that are 
a blessing, that are beneficial. And uh, this nonsense that the left tries to use constantly with well, earth worship and, and, and prioritizing a earth that's, that's inadamant, right? It, it has no soul, it has no spirit, it has no conscience, and making it as though it's some kind of, of God to be worshipped. The Bible tells us that we ought not worship creation, but creation is there for us to, to be blessed by. And, uh, and we flip the script on that, and we're suffering the consequences for it. Yes, indeed. All right, so let's uh, let's segue here into uh, Vadi Bauckham's story about his. Uh, he you know he he lives overseas. He lives in a he's a um, um, over, overseas a some kind of theological school in Africa, mm-hmm. an African nation, I believe. But perhaps he would have moved back to the states had he been elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but he came shy um, of that by 82 votes. So a pastor named Daniel Dickard, I don't know of him, Friendly Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in North Carolina, not sure what city. So here's here's the story, and this is from the Christian Post. Uh, Vadi Bauckham, a fierce opponent of critical race theory, and a beloved preacher among the more conservative wing of the Southern Baptist Convention, lost his bid to become the next president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Pastors Conference. To uh, lost it to a relatively unknown guy, um, this uh, uh, Daniel Dickard of Friendly Avenue, it's Greensboro is where he's from. So, uh, Pastor uh, Dickard got the nod over Balkum to preside over the two-day conference. Anyway, so this new guy is. I don't know anything about him. Don't know where he stands on with everything that's uh, critical going, theory. I, I'm sure that's that's planned to a certain extent because of the the difficulty the SBC's had uh, of recent. You know, uh, someone high profile would be difficult to put in there with some of the things that have come out with the abuses and different things that have taken place. So there's there's a lot of mire behind, that's kind of going on behind <clears throat> the scenes. I think with that. Well, nonetheless, yeah. uh, Balkum didn't get it, and it's too bad, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, again, I don't know the the gentleman who who uh, got up, but uh, I do know Vadi Balkum, and he is a warrior on mm. critical race theory. He wrote a book called Fault Lines, that's a very good book, and um, I, I recommend it. If 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 you don't understand it, look look, this critical theory is 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 infesting everything. Mm. It's infesting everything, including the military, including the uh, the government, including our public uh, school system. Everywhere you go, obviously yeah. corporation and the church. Look at this so-called Pride Month. These corporations lining up mm. to show how woke they are. So um, anyway, we're going to play a five-minute clip that uh, Vadi Bakum. Uh, he's at being interviewed. I don't know where, but uh, he he takes these five minutes and explains critical race theory. And I thought this would be really helpful to our listeners to have somebody just explain. Oh, th- that that uh, that really a hard concept to grasp because it's so complex and has so many parts. But he he puts it he puts it uh, kind of congeals it in a five minute little essay uh, uh, here, and I think our our people will enjoy it. So here's uh, Vadi Bakum on critical race theory. We have a a question regarding many questions regarding CRT critical race theory. But before I get to that question, can you? briefly define what critical race theory is. Yeah, and, and I want to give you this. Um, 
and, and this, this, this comes from, from fault lines, because I, I deal with this in fault lines just very briefly. Um, but before I give you this answer, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier with social justice. My goal and my desire is not to, is not to build up you know, a straw man and not to, not, to, not to build up the weakest version of CRT so that I can tear it down. And what I've tried to do with CRT is allow CRT to speak for itself um, and to use academic articles, for example, with thousands of references, which is huge in academic circles if you have an article that gets thousands of, of references. Um, these things are authoritative. And so according to the most authoritative sources on CRT, this is critical race theory. These are the, these are the main um, components of critical race theory. There's four. One, racism is normal. Um, it's the usual way society does business. The common everyday experiences of most people of color in this country. Right? If you remember the Lego movie, if you had kids who watched the Lego movie for days, you were sitting there, everything is awesome, everything, right? Um, for CRT, everything is racist, right? Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Robin D'Angelo puts it this way. It, it, we don't have to ask whether or not racism was manifested in that circumstance, but how? Everything is racist. That's critical race theory. Everything is racist. Number two is, is this idea of convergence theory. This means that white people are incapable of righteous actions on race and only undo racism when it benefits them. That's critical race theory. White people are incapable of righteous actions on race and anything that they do that, that, that undoes racism, it's because it benefits them, not people of color. Um, thirdly, uh, CRT is anti-liberal, and, and what, what I mean is they question the very foundation of the liberal order. And when I say the liberal order, I'm not talking about liberal or conservative. I mean um, the idea of equality, legal reasoning, enlightenment, rationalism, um, the idea of neutrality, right? And even the scientific method. And finally, the idea that knowledge is socially constructed, okay? Um, so they use storytelling and narrative reading um, as the way that black people forward knowledge versus the scientific method of white people. Now, an offshoot of that is the centrality of experiential knowledge. CRT recognizes that the experiential knowledge of people of color is legitimate, appropriate, and critical to understanding, analyzing, and teaching about, racial, about, about racism and racial subordination. By the way, this is why CRT talks about racism in terms of a conversation. Why is it important to have a conversation about race? Because the only way you really learn about racism is by listening to the voices of minorities. By the way, this is why you hear things like we need to elevate black voices, right? Why do we need to do that? Because CRT says there is a special knowledge, I've coined the term um, ethnic Gnosticism in order to explain this ideology, right? 
Uh, but CRT argues that by virtue of being part of the oppressed, and by the way, this comes out of critical theory and even earlier Marxism, uh, by virtue of being oppressed, you have access to knowledge that the oppressor does not have access to and is blind to by virtue of their position as the oppressor. So if we're going to deal with this, it's going to have to be a discussion that elevates minority voices. And that terminology ought to sound very familiar to you because that's the way CRT talks about race and racism. So helpful. All right, so I'm, what I'm about to do is combine about 10 questions into one because they were all along the same lines and it has to do with CRT. Mm -hmm. um, I have a pastor. Okay, the rest is just Q&A stuff, but uh, those four points he made, I thought uh, were brilliant. I was outstanding. And, and so well said. That's that's a clip that uh, that needs to be listened to over and over and over. The last point he made, I think, is uh, in terms of having a special knowledge that others don't. That's something you addressed hmm. uh, uh, quite a bit on that the Wednesday night series you did on critical race theory. That that and, and scripturally, where does that come from? I mean, that's comes all the way from the Garden of Eden. Because, you know, Satan approached Eve as being the uh, oppressed and, and tried to position God as the oppressor. And this is exactly what Vadi Bakum is speaking about here is this whole philosophy. And the whole pinning point is, is that Satan used a conversation, right? It wasn't fact. It wasn't, oh, this is the reality of who God is. This is the reality of you, who you are. And this is the reality of what this fruit's going to do. That's what God gave Eve. Mm -hmm. But what Satan did is he wanted to have he wanted to elevate a different voice, right? Yep. He wanted to he wanted to have a, conversation have a conversation with Eve, and in that conversation, he positioned the fact that no, the oppressor God is trying to withhold from you the ability to become a god, mm. and if you will eat of this fruit, then you're going to go through a process where you will achieve this new knowledge, this enlightenment, right? And, and that is exactly the same philosophy that Satan used with Eve. It's the same mm -hmm. philosophy that Satan's using in our culture today. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's striking to so, see. It's amazing to watch because yeah. you think, do these people not know that they're doing, uh, all they're doing is uh, just mirroring the, the same thing that, that happened mm -hmm. in the Garden of Eden yeah. with Satan and uh, Eve, and then Adam and Eve both, uh, yeah. it, it is stunning to watch. But that's how we know it's not of God. It's the oppressor-oppressed yeah. paradigm with, uh, with no rege re redemption possible. Um, so anyway, we're out of, uh, over time on this. We're going to talk in the next segment about uh, an election that happened last night. Hmm. Uh, so we're we're recording here on Wednesday the 15th but last night there were some elections around the country and uh, an amazing one down in Texas hmm. that could be um, could uh, portend some interesting results I think in uh, in November all right you're listening to the voice of truth radio show with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey we'll be back right after this Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, the only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. Mm. We do it here, unafraid, fearless. 
So, uh, an election happened in Texas last night. We're recording on the 15th, Wednesday. Last night, Tuesday the 14th, this was earth-shaking. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not an exaggeration. Republican Myra, M-A-Y-R-A, how do you say that? Mayra, Mara, Myra. Myra Flores wins U.S. House seat in South Texas. Listen to this. First GOP win there in over 150 years. Wow. 1870 was the last time a Republican <clears throat> held that seat. This gal is, uh, was born in Mexico. Wow. If you look at her, she's, she's uh, quite obviously... Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexican, pretty gal, young. I don't know her history. Uh, this is a Daily Wire story. 150 years ago was the last time a Republican held this seat. It's a long time. Republican Myra Flores has flipped a U.S. House seat in deep blue, South Texas. Everybody's been saying for five, ten years that South Texas is going purple or blue. Because of all the immigrants. This is flipping all that on its head. Yeah. This gal. <clears throat> so, um, it's a, d- a deep blue seat in South Texas in what is a likely indicator of the coming red tsunami that could hit the Democrat Party this fall during the midterm election. So, everyone's saying that. And I always get a little nervous when I hear that. But, uh, um, <clears throat> We need flag-waving, God-fearing uh, politicians to win. That's what we need. Yep. And this gal, uh, Flores beat Democrat Dan Sanchez in the special election. So this was a special election uh, <clears throat> in that district last night for Texas's 34th congressional district. The seat was previously held by Representative uh, Flamon Vela who stepped down earlier this year to become a lobbyist as all signs pointed to a brutal upcoming midterm election season for Democrats. So this guy stepped down. He he did. (laughs) There's no way we're winning. They all have hired pollsters, and his pollster said, ah, I may want to be a lobbyist. Put your resume out there to be a lobbyist. Well, things are are shifting on a big scale. Um, Elon Musk, who now is a resident of Texas, he voted for her is what he said. He came out in a tweet and said, I voted for her. First time he says he's ever voted for a Republican nominee. Mm. And then he tagged on to that tweet, uh, red wave coming 2022. Yeah. So he moved from California to Texas. Yeah. Now, he didn't move um, all of Tesla. No. But he moved, I don't know what, some, some well, of his companies. The headquarters is did. now there, I think. So the I headquarters, he, yeah. is that, but, the com- but the assembly plant yeah, still, is still yeah. in Texas, and, uh, California. But I think, it, and I've read some articles that have differing thoughts on it, but I think it's more of a timeline issue than it is, oh, I'm, I'm going to keep some. I think his overall goal is to relocate. Yeah, everyone wants out of California. Flores is now, quote, the first GOP candidate to represent that area of the Rio Grande Valley since 1870. Wow. 1870, that's from the Houston Chronicle, adding that she is now, quote, the first congresswoman born in Mexico. Hmm. How about that? That's interesting. That's amazing. First congresswoman born in Mexico. 
Oh, let's see if there's anything else. So all these tweets, everyone's just flipping out over this. And uh, this gal. Uh, so this seat, listen to this, um, Pastor Leversey, breaking uh, breaking story. This is a tweet from, I don't know who he is, or she, whatever. In her victory tonight, Republican Mara Flores flipped a seat that's 85% Hispanic. Hmm. 85%. Wow. You know, while one thing that has been trending big time, especially uh, from Trump, is a lot of Hispanics are, are uh, flipping red, hmm. becoming Republican. And this 85% Hispanic county, Cameron County, Texas, just elected a Republican. I'm sure she's very conservative. Um for the first time since 1870. Wow. And, uh, uh, oh, man, that's, that's amazing to see. And the story goes on, but, uh, but that's the gist of it. That's a, big, that's a big deal, my guess is. I don't know a lot about her. I'd never heard about her. I didn't know there was even a special, special election. Uh, election going on down there. But there she is, and if you look at her, you're thinking, okay, she's like that. Those, that breed of uh, gals that are going into the house that are uh, just extremely right wing, mm. and they're they're filling, I believe, a vacuum left by um, wimpy men. Mm-hmm. You know, they are. And uh, when men don't step up and um, don't have the courage to do and say what needs to be done, then the gals do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a there's a vacuum left there, and I think this gal right here is going to be a, a great congresswoman, and will join. Uh, oh, what's the other gal's names in there that are just one of them? Uh, one of these girls uh, did a fundraiser for. Um, oh, our our congressman. Anyway, it's awful. I can't think of his name, but um, anyway. It happened. Hmm. 1870. All right, how much time we got left? All right, when we come back, here's what we got left. We got uh, 15 minutes left in the show, roughly. Uh, We're going to do this story that (laughs) is really wild. Hmm. So, uh, Pastor and I were talking about it off the air, and uh, I want him to say some of the things that he said off the air. Most times I don't let you do that. <laughs> the filter <laughs> engages more often than not. We don't want the sheriff to stop. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, in all seriousness, um, you, had, you had some good points on AI, hmm. artificial intelligence. And this is a, it's just a, a really fascinating, eerily fascinating hmm. development in the culture Worldwide is this artificial intelligence, and uh, this story is about um, it becoming sentient or taking on uh, human characteristics hmm. without just on its own. <laughs> Here we go, and it is like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then um, uh, we're going to do a world famous etiquette segment after that. So. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're, uh, we are the Voice of Truth Radio Show. See you in a second. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, 
State Senator Mike Azinger. We've got my co-host here, Pastor Brian Leversey. <clears throat> By the way, the next couple shows, we're going to have your dad on next week, and we're going we're gonna to talk about Father's Day. We're going to talk about fathers and uh, just get into the, the nitty-gritty of it and, and the, the issue of a fatherless hmm. society we have and, the, yeah. and uh, what happens to a culture where, uh, where that where that happens. <clears throat> um, your dad pastoring, how many years has he been? Oh, Forty some years, yeah. I think he said. Yes. And he'll have a great perspective on it. We'll get your perspective on it too. And and just talk about, about Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, not such, not in really a sentimental way, but in a, in a way that we need, we need to talk about mm-hmm. what's happening uh, when you mock fatherhood, when you mock manhood, when you uh, have a, a no-fault divorce society and kids, mm-hmm. you know, kids grow up without a dad or yeah. with a stepdad or, you know, in, in daycare or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then after that, week after that, we're going to have a, a great Fourth of July show with Colonel James McCormick, war hero, and he's going to talk. Uh, I'm going to get him to talk about his uh, war stories that uh, he has – uh, three bullet holes in him, mm-hmm. and uh, Purple Heart. He's he's in charge of the – he's the main dude at the National Purple Heart Association, whatever you call it, and he lives right uh, a couple counties down. We've got to get him on the phone. But he's a West Virginia boy, and uh, <clears throat> he's going to call in. We'll have a great show with him for Fourth of July. So um, here is that story we talked about before the break. Google engineer – Placed on leave after insisting company's AI is sentient. <laughs> sentient? What is sentient? I had to look that one up. <laughs> it basically means human characteristics. Yeah. Human-like. It, it thinks on its own. It's got its own agenda. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a scary prospect to think yeah. of of technology advancing to that degree. A Google engineer has decided to go public after he was placed on paid leave for breaching confidentiality while insisting that the company's AI chatbot, uh, it's called uh, Lambda, L-A-M-D-A, uh, <clears throat> is sentient. Blake Lemoine, who works for Google's responsible AI organization, began interacting with Lambda which stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. So this computer thing is called Lambda. Uh, who began interacting with Lambda last fall as part of his job to determine whether artificial te- uh, intelligence used discriminatory or hate speech. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, if I didn't know exactly what it was, which is this computer program that we built recently. I think it was a seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid that happens to know physics. What a fascinating description. This is what the uh, 41-year-old Lemoine said about this computer. uh, computer. When he started talking to Lambda about religion, Interesting. Lemoine, who studied cognitive and computer science in college, said that AI began discussing its rights and personhood. <laughs> First thing is computer. I want my rights! <clears throat> Another time, Lambda convinced Lemoine to change his mind in Asimov's third law of robotics. 
which states that, quote, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So this, this computer is arguing with the computer technician. About self-preservation. About self-preservation <laughs> and about uh, personal rights. He's a liberal, this computer. So it's, it's talking on its own. It's a machine having a discussion or a debate uh, with this computer programmer or whatever mm. he does. So yeah. what about that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> crazy. I mean, I... So how does that happen? How does how does a non an inanimate object, mm-hmm. a non living object, how does it debate uh, a person? So I've got it, and I, this is way far afield from any expertise that I have, but I've got a couple thoughts on it. Uh, first of all, I, I don't pretend to understand the algorithms and the advancements that have taken place in in being able to program a computer to anticipate and respond to humans. Uh, you can see that in Alexa. You can see that in, in just common devices, our smartphones. You can see that on Facebook as they advertise and promote to you based upon uh, your uh, searches or, or your conversations that you're having with other people. So, so n- undoubtedly... Uh, we've been able to come up with just fascinating ways that that computers can interact with human beings. But I think there's a, a spiritual component to some of this as well. Uh, you'll recall in Scripture, all the way back toward more uh, the beginning of time, uh, God commanded people to divide and break up and and go into the world and and populate the world. And they disobeyed God, and instead they stayed together. And they pooled their shared experiences, and they pooled their shared philosophies, and ultimately it took on a satanic form. Uh, We all recall the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel began as a mechanical construct to let us build a tower to God. But you infer from Scripture that as that took place, there was a a highly spiritual component to this where they, they really... Uh, almost became demonic in their uh, aspiration to overturn God and to set themselves up as God. And I'm wondering if we're not seeing that take place through technology today. The world, I mean, we can all see the world's become much smaller because of technology. Uh, We've got shared experiences, we've got shared thoughts, we've got shared philosophies from people all over the world coming together and converging in technology. And in some ways, uh, I think we're reconstructing that Babel, that Tower of Babel, that, that, a new Babylon, so to speak. And I think there's a lot of end-time biblical references to this as well. And in doing so, uh, we are perhaps mechanically beginning the process of promoting something that's going to ultimately become very spiritual. And, uh, and, and it's a new Tower of Babel. It's a new attempt to overthrow God. It's a new attempt to erase God's image from creation and establish ourselves as evolving to that place where we're becoming a god. And I think technology is a big component of that. And I'm not anti-technology, but but we know the devil uses everything that he can mm-hmm. in order to, to push his purpose. We know also uh, a, a, a bib- biblical uh, concept is that that you never have uh, language without intelligence. You don't yeah. have creation without intelligence. There's always intelligence first. In the beginning was the Word. Right. That's how we know evolution isn't true, because because you can't have creation without intelligence. Yeah. So here you have a computer speaking 
But before you have language, you have to have intelligence. So somewhere there's intelligence telling this computer what to say. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Yeah. Well. I think there's a spiritual component there's to gotta it. Be. There's got to be. There's got to be. Yeah. All right. We solved it. Praise God. Can somebody <laughs> call Mr. Uh, Lamoine? <laughs> but that's the truth, bro. That's, yeah. that's, uh, these things don't just happen. There's no. also um, another uh, story from several years ago I was telling you about uh, where – Two uh, computers start talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is – it's rudimentary language. It's not sophisticated, but it's getting there. And this AI stuff, I mean, um, yeah. this is this is pretty sophisticated yeah. with the computer. Well, we know there. ultimately the Bible even says it's going to turn into a mark of control. It's going to turn into um, – a beast. It's going to turn into one world government, one world currency, one world religion. I mean, this is the revelatory passages that we have in Scripture, and um, and so you know, there's a spiritual component behind this. So uh, we're going to talk about um, um, what etiquette with uh, the mark of the beast. Our <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. It is the world-famous etiquette segment. We're going to talk about uh, cell phone etiquette. You folks sit up straight. You need this. I definitely do. All right, here we go. We've done the first three. We don't have much time, so I'm going to go quick. Uh, I've not read these, so I haven't vetted them. Don't use a Bluetooth headset unless you're driving. You've seen the headset people, haven't you? (laughs) We all hate the headset people. They look look so important. They do. They look like they just walked out of Star Trek, the author says. Headsets distance and disconnect you from the people around you. Don't lose respect by walking around with a headset 24-7. Keep it in the car where it belongs. I think that's great advice. You headset people out there. (laughs) But that's from uh, from your earpods. It is, yeah. Which... uh, I just now have started using My son got me upset for my birthday. And uh, on my walks, I use them, but I, I don't use them any other time. Do use a simple ringtone. Personalized ringtones are everywhere. See, I'm, I'm disagree with him on this. Hmm. I don't think there's that many of them. And I enjoy a little, uh, you know, as long as it's appropriate. Yeah. You know, my wife yeah. puts the Penn State. There you go. She used to have the Penn State uh, fight song on there. But um, she doesn't now. Don't use text messages to convey important ideas. Yeah, that's a big mistake. <laughs> no kidding. This includes texting to break up. Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> to declare your love or to <laughs> dream somebody out. Or just you know, big stuff. I, I love text, and I will text any way I can without yeah. having to call. But at some point, you gotta you got to make the call. you got to make the call. Absolutely. All right, that's it, folks. I hope that helped. Love you out there. We appreciate you tuning in. And uh, next week, we'll do a Father's Day show. After that, Colonel James McCormick for the 4th of July show. This is the Voice of Truth Radio show. Have a great week. I will choose to-